Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com. We've done your homework. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-errands pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. The Large Nerdron Collider podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. Nerdron Collider, the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them. I'm Ariel Kasten, and with me as always is Jonathan. He survived Halloween night Strickland. I ain't spooky no more. Nope. Well, Ariel, <laughs> after, after surviving Halloween, I now have a question for you. We've left behind the spooky season, so this one here is a is a just a a geeky question. Can you tell me what is one of your favorite aliens from science fiction? You don't have to pick a favorite, but one of your favorites, and explain why you like it so much. Doctor Who because he's dreamy. The Ninth Doctor because he's dreamy. I was about to say like there's been a lot of Doctor Who's. Do you want to start <laughs> narrowing that down? I mean, actually, like, I don't I don't know if that would actually be my favorite favorite because like that was just the easy answer. No, um, it is a toss up between Alf and the little bat creature in Flight of the Navigator. And Alf, I'm sure, would not hold up today, but I haven't watched it since I was a child. And so all I have are these like childlike fond memories of this weird, sarcastic Muppet alien that eats cats. Um, yeah, Gordon I, like, Shumway to his friends. Gordon Shumway. And for some reason, though, I, you know, I, I probably would not have been able to tell you that his friend name was Gordon Shumway. Like, that still just holds a delightful part place in my heart, you know, and the little bat creature from from Flight of the Navigator, because really, you put a bat creature in anything I like it. Look at Fern Gully, look at Anastasia. The bats were the best part. Um, <laughs> Doctor Who well, is my favorite person type alien because um, it, it's, it goes back to my whole like Peter Pan complex of wanting to go away and, and travel distant fantastical lands and never uh, grow up and never grow up <laughs> can't see but I just did the Peter Pan pose it's funny because Ariel loves Peter Pan and I love Captain Hook and yet we're like best friends so that is weird <laughs> Uh, okay, well, uh, my what? one of my favorites, not my favorite favorite, but one of my favorites would be the Vogons from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. 
Those are the aliens that are given the job to demolish the Earth to make way for a essentially a galactic highway. Um, so, and, so is that just because you like really bad poetry? That's that's the thing is that I think it's the fact that the Vogons torture people by making them listen to Vogon poetry, which is largely believed to be the worst poetry in the universe. And I just think that's really funny. I think that like Douglas Adams wrote some really funny stuff and mm-hmm. I happen to really like that particular joke. So that's, that's my kind of one of my answers. I mean, there are a lot of aliens that I think are kind of cool. Like I like various incarnations of Klingons, although there've been a lot of different kinds of Klingons. Mm-hmm. So they're not all the same. Actually, Doctor Who is not my favorite human type alien. It's Q. Yeah, uh, Q, Q's good too. Like, and of course, Q is like particularly complicated because we don't fully understand what Q is. Like, he's part of the Q continuum, but that suggests that all of the Q are Q, and yet he still can get in trouble with Q. Yeah, I don't, I don't pretend to really understand. Maybe it's because of my my feeble human mind. But yeah, that's a good answer too. So, uh, yeah, curious to hear what our listeners like some of their favorite aliens in science fiction, who they might be. Uh, But we've got a lot of news to cover and we've got a discussion to hold where we're going to hang on a little bit longer to the spooky season. And then we're going to have a mashup. So let's start that off with some some news. And we've got a couple of things to talk about. I think the thing I want to lead off with is just get out of the way is that. We have this story about the Eternals, uh, the new Marvel film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The early reviews for it have been lukewarm, I would say. Like, it's almost a 50-50 split between fresh and rotten reviews. And if you look at the actual reviews for Eternals, there's not a lot of difference between the negative ones and the positive ones, which just reminds us that the way Rotten Tomatoes works is it aggregates all the the positive scores and all the negative scores and determines the percentage by that. So like if a a, a movie rates 50%, that doesn't mean it's 50% good or 50% bad. It means 50% of the critics gave it a positive review and 50% gave it a negative review. So just because a, a movie has a certain score doesn't mean it's, you know, better or worse than another movie with a, mm-hmm. you know, slightly lower or slightly higher score. That out of the way, Eternals not looking so great in some of the early reviews. Yeah, yeah. So earlier this week, they were still rating about the same as Thor Dark World, which, you know, I enjoyed it. It wasn't a good movie, but it wasn't a bad. It was like a popcorn movie. Like it, take it or leave it. It was a a fun two hours for me, and that was it. I know other people, most other people would disagree. But now their Eternals is actually rating lower than that because Dark World was the lowest rating official MCU Marvel movie. Um, Which is weird because Iron Man 2 was a thing. Yeah, I like Iron Man 2 way less. My my husband would fight me tooth and nail about that. He thinks Dark World is way, Thor Dark World is way worse than Iron Man 2. But I fell asleep during Iron Man 2 in the theater and then again at home. I'm not entirely certain I've watched all the way through it in one sitting. <laughs> there's there's like one really good character in Iron Man 2, and he's a secondary villain, and that's the best I can say about that movie. I think it introduced Black Widow just fine. Sure. And but. so now we're talking about Eternals, which obviously this is that movie where it's about a, a race of immortal beings who visited Earth thousands of years ago. And it's their job to take down these evil alien critters and protect humanity from the evil alien critters, but otherwise not to intervene in human affairs, which apparently is why they didn't, you know, bother to deal with anything when Thanos showed up, because apparently wiping out half the universe's life forms isn't important enough. I don't get that. Apparently there's a line in the movie that's going to kind of explain that I mean, <laughs> you did watch what if Jonathan like the watchers just watch and entire universes have been destroyed and they haven't stepped in right but so, the Eternals the Eternals actively fight monsters <laughs> in order to protect humanity so the monsters are bad but Thanos who wipes out half the universe's life isn't 
bad enough. Yeah. I, that's what that's what gets me because the watcher is passive. The watcher just watches and takes note of what's happening. Right. But yeah, um, the the most of the reviews seem to say that the the movie, which clocks in at like two hours, 37 minutes is this sprawling mess. And it's one of the classic problems where you've got all these characters that the movie is introducing. It can't really spend a lot of time on every single character to give us a real feel for each of them. Like we get little character moments that indicate the kind of people they are, but uh, that, that apparently the plot, what little there is, it gets lost in a lot of messy shuffle. So you know, it's not the worst reviewed movie. It's not like they're saying this is a terrible film, but rather it's a film that doesn't really work. Yeah. I mean, so it could still be enjoyable if you go in with low expectations. That being said, it is two minutes longer than Dune, which is famously long. Uh, yeah. And Dune's a part one. I, I have a feeling like from what I've heard that it, this movie would have been better served if it had been split apart into two films and then things could have fleshed out a little bit so that Mm -hmm. you would have a little more room. But I mean, obviously that's a huge risk to take, right? To go ahead and green light two movies about a group of characters that, that I think the vast majority of MCU audience has no idea who Mm -hmm. these people are. Like I know I didn't, I mean, I'm a casual Marvel fan uh, probably a little bit more than say your average person going to see a Marvel movie, but I am by no means an expert. I had no idea who the Eternals were. Yeah. I, I didn't really have a good idea either. I, you know, I've researched into it and, and watching those through lines, I can, I can enjoy it much the same way I watch like Doom Patrol, which by the way, I watched your sister's episode and it was mm-hmm. brilliant. Uh, but you know, they'll introduce characters or lines in doom patrol that even though I'm not familiar going in, I can appreciate that they've put it in there and why they've put it in there and how it ties in. Usually I end up IMDB uh, or, uh, Googling throughout the episode. Um, but yeah, with this one, I don't know. Even like the lines of like, who is that character with the three, six dots on its face for eyeballs, you know, like, okay, that's who it is. Do I care? I mean, but that being said, even Marvel's misses are fine. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. There ha- there hasn't been a total like outright terrible movie to come out. There have been some that have been less than satisfying, and like you could take it or leave it. But not a whole lot of things where you walk away saying, "Wow, what a huge misfire." So I'm hoping that uh, there are enough moments in this movie to make me appreciate it. Uh, I also hope that we see how it ties into the larger MCU. If it, if it does effectively, I've heard that there's essentially not much tie in until you get to the, you know, almost requisite post credit sequence, Mm -hmm. but I haven't seen it yet. Um, it comes out the day after this episode comes out. So we'll have to wait and see if, if you have the opportunity to go see it at like a rented theater, would you do so? Uh, depends on who's renting it. Fair enough. Yeah. Cause, enough. cause you know, some people like, listen, I like watching movies. I don't like talking during them, even if mm-hmm. it's a, well, unless it's a really bad movie, in which case then it's fine. Uh, <laughs> and so I don't really find going to movies with big groups of people to be that satisfying an experience because it's one of those t- things where you're spending time with people you love, but you can't do anything because there's a movie playing. So, <laughs> But that's a discussion for another time. We've got some more stories to talk about. Let's talk about Cowboy Bebop. We didn't talk about this last week, but the actual trailer for the series dropped, Uh, not just the Mm -hmm. teaser, which we talked about in a previous episode. What did you think of the trailer? Um, Honestly, I like the teaser better because I liked the way they played with the camera frame. No, the trailer looks fine. It looks like Cowboy Bebop to me. Um, Now, mind you, like I... I watched Cowboy Bebop. It's been a while. I actually need to, it's kind of on my to-do list to go back and rewatch it and remind myself of the story. So maybe it takes far leaps and bounds, but like just tonally, it feels like Cowboy Bebop. I'm excited about it. I like the casting. Um, It looks action noir-y and I'm all about that sci-fi and I'm all about all of those things. So Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. What about you? 
Uh, I really dug the aesthetic and I dug the tone. It made me think of things like a little bit of Blade Runner, uh, a little bit of Star Wars A New Hope, like when Star Wars was still kind of a little gritty. Like I think of the Moss Eisley Cantina sequence where we're introduced to Han Solo and everything. It felt kind of like that. Like there's a little bit of, there's an edge of humor to it, but there's action. Uh, I love the visuals. I felt like for a streaming series and for a science fiction one at that, the visuals look great. Like it, mm-hmm. it look, it made me think again of star Wars where things look like they have been used, right? It's like a, a lived in universe. Not everything is this gleaming Chrome everywhere, um, yeah. which is how I would contrast that with a different streaming series that we watched a trailer for, <laughs> for this episode, uh, which I'll just go ahead and, and segue into the wheel of time series. Like we watched that trailer just before we started recording. And, uh, or I did anyway. <laughs> and I felt like that one felt too clean. Like there are a couple of sequences where you see characters who look like they've been through some stuff, but most of the shots, everyone looks like they're immaculate. And also it's shot on super high definition video, not mm-hmm. film. And because it feels like it must be a high frame rate too, because as I was watching it, I was like, okay, this all looks like everyone's costume looks too nice and it looks too video-y. So I'm getting the Hobbit at 48 frames per second vibes from it, which I don't like. So, so I agree with you. So what I watch, you watch it on your computer and I watched it on my television. And so I didn't get quite the same amount of, which is weird because normally I get more of it on my, on more of it on my TV of like that uncanny Valley location wise, at least. Um, so when the teaser trailer for Wheel of Time first came out, it looked, it looked pretty dark. It looked kind of gritty. It looked more like Game of Thrones. And in fact, that's what all the reviews said. This new one to me very much feels more like Lord of the Rings meets early Harry Potter as presented by sci-fi. Um, (laughs) listeners can't tell, but I am nodding at what Ariel is saying because because I completely agree. It looks very beautiful. I, you know, and, and part of the problem is. You know, I know that some of our fans will be disappointed to hear this. Neither Jonathan nor I have read Wheel of Time. No, um, no, I, I'm familiar with Robert Jordan's impact on the fantasy genre, but that's one series. Like, I was a I was a hardcore fantasy novel fan for a good span of years, but that was one series I never got into. And these days, mm-hmm. you know, I'll still watch stuff that's fantasy oriented but I don't really read fantasy anymore. So I never got into wheel of time. So I can't judge how faithful this feels to the source material because I'm unfamiliar with the source material. All I can do is judge it based upon the merits of the trailer by itself. And it, it, it did not hook me. See, like, like you were saying, if I had not seen the stuff about this being similar to game of Thrones and its look based on its teaser, I never, ever would have made that connection. In fact, I would say this almost feels like a 180 from Game of Thrones as far as the look of characters, costumes, and locations. Everything looks pristine Mm -hmm. in the trailer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, part of of the reason it felt sci-fi to me was also just because and I'm sure it's going to be good. You know, I, I've tertiarily done some stuff in like Wheel of Time. Like I've been a part of a couple of events in the Wheel of Time track. I just, I barely read anymore unless it's a script. I spend so much time in any scripts that I get that that takes all of like my reading brain mm-hmm. lately. So I, you know, like my husband, sorry, I'm going off on a little bit of a bunny trail. My husband is running this short sci-fi writing contest that's been going on for months now where each like month or every few weeks, the writers get like a new prompt and they have to write a short story. I'm still working through those. And those were all short stories by my like dear friends. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So big novels are hard for me. I, I love reading. I just, I need to make, I need to make time for it. But part of it is that the main cast of characters that they show in this new trailer all look very young to me. And for some reason in my head, the characters were all adults. Now, maybe as I'm getting older, young adults look more young than adult to me. I, I know that certainly has been an issue in the past, but like, that's a large reason for it feeling like sci-fi. Like if you look at Merlin, for instance, Merlin, it, it's young Merlin. He's very young. Everybody's 
young and and the so people the themselves series. are pristine. The, you mean the, the series, series, not Merlin, the, not the, the mini series, the sci-fi series, Merlin? Yeah. Which so when you fun. say sci-fi, you mean sci-fi, Sifi. the channel sci-fi, yes, or not yes. sci-fi, the genre sci-fi. Yes, as okay. as as presented by Sci-Fi Siffy, the channel. Yeah. S Y F Y. Um, I mean, but that being said, I've enjoyed some sci-fi series. Um, I even enjoyed Merlin to a degree. It just, yeah, it had that very uh, polished, fantastical look, like you said, Jonathan. Um, something that does not have a polished, fantastical look is but the no, new it, Morbius it looks, trailer. Yeah, super gothic. The Morbius trailer, we watched it. Uh, Ariel had to watch it twice because she watched the wrong one the first time. But I got a really cool insight because I got to see how much different how much difference there were between the original and the new one because I had nearly forgotten about the original one that came out last year in January. So it's funny because Ariel saw me like shake because we were watching it on camera at the same time, except that we weren't seeing the screens of the other person. So I didn't know at the time that Ariel had accidentally pulled up trailer number one versus trailer number two. And so I'm watching it and I'm shaking my head slowly because of the music choice. And afterwards, I talked to Ariel and I say, man, I can't believe they went with that music. And she said, you don't like Feralise? I'm like, wait, what trailer were you watching? (laughs) Because the song that they use in trailer number two is People Are Strange. And for anyone who's familiar with vampire movies, you know that that song plays a big part in a little film called Lost Boys. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, and it's the second Lost Boys reference I've seen in a couple of weeks because I watched Lego Star Wars and there's an entire uh, Lego Star Wars Halloween special thing. There's an entire sequence in that that is literally a take, a parody of Lost Boys. Did you did you enjoy Lego Terrifying Tales? Lego Star um, Wars Terrifying Tales? It was okay. I, it wasn't as good as I was hoping it would be. It wasn't as whimsical as I was hoping it would be. Interesting. Interesting. My my nephew watched it and he liked it because I had BB-8. Um, I haven't watched it yet. So uh, song aside, what are your thoughts on the Morbius trailer? Because boy, I've got a lot of them. <laughs> I, I, actually, I actually thought it looked kind of interesting. It's probably the first of Sony's Marvel films outside of the Spider-Man ones that I'm interested in seeing. I still don't really care to see Venom or its sequel, but this one looks intriguing to me. Like there's, although I I don't much care for the lead actor very much at all, but I, 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 the trailer looks intriguing. I also have to say we were going to talk originally about a teaser for trailer number two, but that was just the lead actor talking about being in the movie. And it was, insufferable to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't care for it either. So I have much the same feeling like the story could be interesting. I do like they had little nods. I mean, they had a very like blatant nod to Spider-Man homecoming in it. It obviously, um, because the vulture was in the first Morbius trailer. He's in this one too. Spoilers. Um, but they had like a, a cool Spider-Man like, graffiti on the wall and in the trailer where Jared Leto is talking throughout the entire thing, he does say, mention something about like a web of a story. So they're really, really trying to tie it into this Sony MCU verse. Um, some of the, some of the humor was good, but uh, yeah, I have a hard time emotionally connecting to Jared Leto right now. And maybe it's just because I still have a weird, it's not a bad taste. It's a weird taste in my mouth after the way he method act the way it was reported that he method acted for suicide squad which is unfair <laughs> potentially to him i don't think it's unfair i think that any actor uh and of any gender identity any actor who uh will pursue their in the, the, the inhabiting a character at the expense of other people is not cool not cool. Mm-hmm. Like whether that whether that other people happen to be cast or a crew or catering or just people that you're passing on the street on your way to the set. Like if you're being a jerk face because mm-hmm. that's what your character is like, you never hear about people doing that for nice characters. You didn't hear about Tom Hanks being extra nice when he was playing Mr. Rogers so he could get into character. You know, the only time they do that is when they. Nice. 
But no, my point being, and I am, I'm, I am emphatic about this. The only time you hear about method acting is when some entitled jerk actor is playing an even bigger jerk character. And I suspect it's because it allows the jerk actor to embrace their inner jerk and let it be their outer jerk. And it's so rare whenever I see anyone talk about method acting outside of that context, which is why I hate it. Okay. So I'm, I think there is a place for net method acting, but I think that it is often misquoted and misused and misunderstood. You also hear about actors method acting when like, um, they, they put themselves into extreme situations to, uh, or pull out teeth or things like that, that are not necessarily harmful to other people, but are harmful to themselves to, to really get involved in a situation. Um, that being said, like since that time, I've read some articles that, oh, maybe it wasn't as bad as the media reported. So I don't know. I wasn't there. But it, it does make me feel like, mm, he like that's weird. And now I'm watching it. And Morbius is a weird character. Yeah. That being said, I really hope that Morbius and Blade tie into each other. <laughs> I don't think, well, unless there's more cooperation between Sony over, and Disney, it's probably not going to happen. Like the mm. indication we're we're getting right now is that Sony is kind of feeling out a, a kind of a clean break from mm-hmm. Disney. And that's really, that's sad for me because I love this incarnation of Spider-Man and I would hate to see yeah. that Spider-Man no longer be part of the MCU after we get past, say the next Spider-Man film. Um, that would be really sad to me, but at the same time, like Sony has been trying to feel this out ever since the first venom was a success. And the idea was mm-hmm. that, well, if we can do this on our own, we don't need Disney. We don't have to sign these agreements that might be a little disadvantageous to us because let's face it. Disney always goes after the deal. So, Mm-hmm. I get it from a business perspective, but from a creative perspective, I am kind of sad about it. So I suspect we won't see very much crossover. I, uh, yeah, it, it's hard because I, I know that Disney wants to own all of Marvel and then Sony's got two new untitled Marvel things coming out. So it is, it is really interesting. Um, and it will be sad if they make a clean break. I know that um, the current, Peter Parker, whose name is all of a sudden eluding me, Jonathan, help, help. Tom Holland. Tom Holland. Thank you. I almost said Hilson. Tom Holland has been saying like, this is the end of the journey for him. And and I've seen articles saying that they've already cast a new Spider-Man and things like that. But yeah, it would be, it would be sad to have him pulled out of phase four. Um, Well, I mean, he's mostly, he's mostly said that he doesn't, for the first time, he doesn't have a contract beyond the movie he's in. Um, We'll have to see if, that changes simply because like, it may be that there's sort of a, a game of political chicken going on here behind the scenes. We don't, we aren't privy to it. We don't know, but uh, yeah. So, so quick summary uh, Morbius. I think it looks interesting. I'll probably see it. Uh, Ariel, your thoughts. I'll probably see it, but also I liked Venom. So, yeah. And uh, to, to recap uh, wheel of time, uh, I'm not feeling the vibe yet. Uh, but Cowboy Bebop, totally feeling the vibe. Mm-hmm. I'm, fe- I'm feeling the vibe on Bebop. I'll probably watch Wheel of Time. I'll probably watch Eternals, though. I'm not super excited about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I almost feel like I've seen all the good scenes because Marvel keeps releasing these little clips you, you know from Eternals. More, though. Yeah, but I feel yeah, like I've seen like the really good parts. It's like when you go to it. It's like when Darth Maul ignited both sides of his saber in the preview for episode one. That was like the key moment and they gave it away on mm-hmm. the preview. But speaking of giving things away, we're about to give this podcast away if we don't go to a break and we need to go to a break. So we're going to come back and have a quick discussion about what we got up to. And as far as spooky shenanigans over the Halloween weekend, and we'll be right back. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. 
That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot It took 11 years to get to the sale. The Nick's anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of Nick's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. So we're back, and I know that Jonathan and I both did some pretty, what I would consider geeky things over the holidays, and so I haven't actually had a chance to talk with him about it, and you guys get to listen to us uh, catch up with each other on our holiday weekend. So Jonathan, you spent the weekend watching scary movies, correct? Uh, Yeah, mostly scary movies. So um, I was down in a house in middle Georgia that had no internet, uh, and so we had a bunch of Blu-rays and DVDs and stuff, and we watched a bunch of movies. We being me, my wife, Rebecca, and uh, honorary LNC host Shay, who was visiting with us. And so we watched The Frighteners, which all of us had seen before, and we love. That's a, a Peter Jackson film that stars Michael J. Fox and also has Jeffrey Combs in it. Uh, then we watched Reanimator. Also has Jeffrey Combs in it. Very different movie. Very uh, gonzo, over-the-top horror with some some weird body horror comedy stuff in it. Uh, we watched uh, The Innkeepers, a Thai West haunted house movie that's very slow-moving. It Like a lot of Thai West stuff, it has a very kind of 70s, early 80s feel to the pacing. Um, Mm -hmm. I was amazed that Shay was able to stay awake for it, but she did. And we watched that. Uh, We also, because Shay is a huge fan of it, we watched Hocus Pocus, which was the first time that my wife Rebecca had seen it. Uh, I had seen it once before 
didn't like it. Shay asked me if I liked it more on the second time. And I said, no. Did uh, Becca like it? <laughs> What's that? Did Becca like it though? She said she could take it or leave it. So uh, not a big endorsement from Becca either. But yeah, those were kind of like the things we were watching. And I also, I made homemade apple cider, like literally from apples. I took apples and I made apple cider and it turned out great. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that because I, I definitely like some apple cider. I had no apple cider over the Halloween holiday, so I need to definitely grab some, if not make some myself. Uh, that sounds like a lovely Halloween weekend. It was it was great. It was great. It was it was low key and relaxing. Uh, and we watched a lot of stuff. I'm sure we watched other things, too. And we even watched a few things that were not Halloween ish. But what did you end up doing? All right. So uh, first of all, I visited some vampires and gave some blood, um, which, you know, is Very they generous. had it, it was it was, you know, it's always a good experience. I always feel good doing it. And I even got some cool rainbow band-aids that horribly clashed with like my Halloween nails. But that's OK. Uh, the big thing that I did, I think the spookiest and geekiest thing I did all weekend and I did a bunch of little stuff was I played a D&D game. I'm in an Eberron campaign right now, and uh, the DM is amazing. Uh, he's he's really cool. He's really geeky, and he's really really creative. And so uh, there are many puzzles that we're solving throughout this campaign. But right in the middle of this, I almost called it an episode. We played a whole bunch of Monster of the Week priorly pre-pandemic and so like every one of those was an episode so now I'm thinking D&D episodes so no this particular uh, game uh, dealt with like dream eaters and uh, it's because it's Halloween so ghosts and we had to go up to this spooky mansion and as soon as we entered the spooky mansion we had to like figure out puzzles to get in we actually had like physical puzzles that we needed to figure out to get into the spooky mansion and once we did yeah once we did that, it turned into a mini game of betrayal at House on the Hill. Um, <laughs> so our character, like our character speed turned into like moves. So in, in House on the Hill, you can move like depending on your character, depends on how many spaces you can move, how many rooms you can move. And you keep moving until an event happens. Yeah. Uh, for, for people who aren't familiar with it, House on Betrayal on House on the Hill is a tile based game. You don't actually know what is in the next room before you go into it. And then you draw a tile and put it down and that defines what that room is. And certain tiles have certain icons on them that denote whether or not an event happens or something. And then ultimately in betrayal, the, the betrayal is that at some point, one of the characters ends up being uh, the betrayer. Uh, and it's all based upon the actual state of the game at that moment and then uh, from that point forward, it becomes a a co-op game for the remaining, you know, good Against guys. Against the one betrayer. Which yes. Which can be a little frustrating. So, yeah, but it's, it, it, and there's like, there's like 50 different scenarios that it could possibly mm-hmm. be. And then there are expansion packs that even increase that. But you were saying, I'm sorry. Yeah, no. So, so we did that and D&D character movements based on like, number of feet you can go. So if you could go 30 feet, you could move three tiles. Uh, Interestingly, if you wanted to move three tiles, but there was only one tile space in front of you, all of them got put down on the table so that you couldn't see what they were, except for the final tile you landed on. And then something happened. Once we explored the house and we found all the things we needed to, it turned back into a normal D&D game. But there was a soundtrack and it was just there. we, We all literally cheered when betrayal happened. Um, <laughs> so it was super geeky. It was super fun. Um, and then I dressed up like a tomato for the non-existent trick-or-treaters that we had. Um, did, so, did anyone stop by? No. So last year we actually, I think the hurricane hit around the time that Halloween was, it might've been Halloween weekend. In fact, we we're out of power. And so, and it was the pandemic. So we had no trick-or-treaters. So we bought trick-or-treat candy and we put it out on our mailbox for anybody who was walking through the neighborhood, stuck, need, any kids who couldn't get out. Mm-hmm. So they could pull a piece of candy from off our mailboxes to enjoy. This year, we get bought full sizers because we do have a few kids in the neighborhood. And, you know, people are starting to get a little bit more outgoing with mm-hmm. their uh, socialization in our neighborhood. 
And so um, we had some full sizers in case we had anybody show up at our door. And then we had like some small candy because we want to put small candy out. But uh, we put it out yesterday and today instead um, because I figure late Halloween candy is still good Halloween candy. Yeah. Um, and that way, like our because Halloween fell on a Sunday this year, our mail carriers and our delivery people can also get a little treat when they stop by our house. So it's just it's a way to kind of share a little love with all of our neighbors. Nice. Well, I, I have a I have a very short spooky candy story about my weekend. Ooh, yes, I want to hear it. So we're packing up at the end of the weekend. Shay's already left because she uh, one of the many things that our friend Shay does is she leads ghost tours in a a town called Marietta, which is just north of Atlanta. And uh, so she had to leave because she had a ghost tour to lead. So she had to leave early because we were in middle Georgia, which is a good distance away from Marietta. Mm -hmm. So she leaves. And then I'm going to pack up the car so that we can head back to our home. And uh, I go out and the car on top of the car is a Reese's peanut butter cup and a Kit Kat still in the wrapper. And so I then text Shay and I said, did you leave candy on our car when you left? And she wrote back and said, no. And I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. we're in like the woods. Who the heck is creeping on us putting candy on our car? So I go back and I tell Becca this. I'm like, and I don't know who did it. And she's like, oh, that was me. I actually bought some candy at the store and I forgot that I put it on top of the car while I was unloading it. I'm like, oh, all right. Well, that's mystery solved. I feel better. <laughs> Look, you're, I figured it was like the wildlife was, was given back. Yeah, well, not quite. Well, the Candy Creeper mystery has been solved. And now we're going to take a quick break before we launch into, well, first the stories that lead us to our mashup and then our mashups. So we'll be right back. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks. Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Okay, so our mashups uh, are based off a couple of other trailers that we watched for this episode. Uh, one of them is for The Book of Boba Fett, which, you know, was teased at the end of the last season of The Mandalorian. And it uh, has a lot of like Godfather vibes Mm -hmm. with Boba Fett in the lead as a um, as a crime boss. He's kind of he actually I think he even says that he's not a bounty hunter in the trailer. Like he's he's indicating that he's transitioning from his old gig of bounty hunter into essentially crime boss taking over Jabba's role because Jabba the Hutt has been gone since Return of the Jedi. Well, spoiler for people who haven't seen it. And he killed uh, Bib Fortuna, who was Jabba the Hutt's right-hand man who took over when Jabba the Hutt uh, yeah. was died. strangled to death by Leia. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, he says, because you're like, but wait a second, if you've watched Mandalorian, Boba Fett was helpful. He did some good things. He's a good guy. Eh, he's still chaotic neutral at best. Uh, but he's leading with respect, he says in the trailer. So we'll have to see how that goes. Yeah, so uh, he's he's clearly he's meeting with other crime lords, other criminals, and having a discussion about how they can move forward and uh, work together as opposed to fighting one another. And it's very clear that a lot of the other crime lords are like, who are you to tell us what to do? <laughs> so uh, it's definitely going to be one of those things where he has to uh, earn their respect I will be shocked if fear does not play a role in that, but we will I, see. I will as well. The other little thing is that a trailer for Lightyear came out, which is the origin story of Buzz Lightyear. But it's not the origin story of the toy. It's the origin story of the man who inspired the toy in, within the Toy Story universe. He is voiced by Chris Evans. It shows, you know, the man who inspired Buzz Lightyear uh, being a part of this Space Force we don't know if he's going to encounter Zerg or not. So, so let me give you what I think this is, because I think within the universe of toy story, Buzz Lightyear himself is not a real person. What I think is that in the toy story universe, there was a science fiction film that came out called Lightyear. That's about this character. Who's a space ranger character who becomes heroic. That film spawns a children's cartoon series, just like we had cartoon series for stuff like star Wars and cartoon series for like DC comics and stuff that are geared towards kids. And that's the version of buzz that the buzz Lightyear toy is based off of. It's based off the cartoon spinoff of the sci-fi action movie. And we're getting the sci-fi action movie. So even within the world of toy story, this is still fictional. That's what I'm guessing. Because uh, otherwise it doesn't make sense that the world uh, that Toy Story fits in doesn't have all these crazy science fiction technologies at their disposal. Because obviously for Lightyear to work, that has to be like at a level of uh, space travel that we are not at. So I'm thinking this is a this is in the fiction. This is the film that inspires the cartoon spinoff that inspires the toy line that Buzz Lightyear is. That's probably accurate. Insider says what Disney has revealed so far about the story is it's a sci-fi adventure that follows a young test pilot named Buzz Lightyear who becomes, quote, the legendary space ranger who would win generations of fans, unquote. So you are probably right. Uh, My literal brain kind of took the the idea and ran with it as like, oh, this is a made up universe. So it can be like toys are alive in this universe. There can be space aliens in a space force. Come on. I don't have a tr- problem with that. What I have a problem with is that everyone on earth is still dealing with crappy old cars and stuff. <laughs> and so if we're living in the science fiction world, I would expect like flying cars and stuff. And, uh, and that pizza planet wouldn't be the crappy rundown place that it is. 
But uh, but anyway, the I actually think the trailer looks kind of interesting, or the teaser, we should mm-hmm. say. The teaser looks kind of interesting. Uh, and I'm on board with it because I'm capable of taking that step where saying, okay, well, this is the film that spawns, et cetera, et cetera. I've seen a lot of people online say like, you know, they're, they're putting it too close together about light year. And then the toy is directly uh, inspired by the, the mm-hmm. movie. I'm like, no, I think, I, I think you got to take another step back. I, I don't have a problem with it. Um, now, now that I understand, because watching the trailer, I knew nothing about it because anything I had read had gone in one ear and out the other. So, uh, watching the trailer, knowing kind of what it's about, I'm totally fine with that, with, with the way that they're doing it. It looks cute to me. The beginning of the trailer was mad, but they had definitely grabbed me by the end. So, um, I'll probably watch it though. I need to catch up on twice. The toy story movies first. I did not watch the most recent one. No toy story four. Uh, I mean, you know, okay. Um, anyhow, so we're mixing up Boba the Fett and Lightyear (laughs) in some form or fashion. So, uh, so, so who do you want to go first? Cause whoever goes first, they're going to get this section all to themselves. And then we're going to have a break for the second person to go. Um, I'll go first. Okay. This is go called, for it. This is called Boba the Fett's rocket legs with jets. Um, because there's a song called Fett's Fett's and it says my backpack's got jets. I'm Boba the Fett. Um, okay. So Boba Fett was no stranger to the hashtag crime life. When his father died, so did a piece of him. Well, technically he was a piece of his dad, but same difference. Uh, And as such, the jobs he took throughout his life never really bothered him, no matter what side they were for. Boba was fine with his lack of conscience and was happy to kill, let's say, Bib Fortuna and take over Jabba's throne. But what he didn't realize is that after he helped rescue the child from the Empire, something switched in his brain. Ever since he helped the child and then took over the throne, every night he was plagued with bad dreams of his life's decisions catching up with him. And every night he dreamed that he was caught and encased in carbonite, but not carbonite like he was familiar with. In his dream, he couldn't move, but he could see through the carbonite, and it almost seemed to move with his breath. And each morning he woke exhausted from the night before. Boba was getting tired of this, literally and figuratively, and so he researched Jedi tricks to be able to lucid dream and once he read all he could and thought that he could master lucid dreaming he decided to fix his dream like he had fixed so many of his bounties before this time when he fell asleep and then woke up in carbonite he changed the narrative he tried wiggling his finger which you shouldn't be able to do in carbonite but he was able to he struggled and broke free from his bondage and then he pushed through the clear carbonite and oddly it gave way with barely more resistance than paper And that's when he realized it. He was tiny, and he had just broken out of a box. He was somewhere between the size of a porg and a Kowakian monkey lizard. Only a second passed between him escaping and him hearing, Boba fall to ma ke chalia. Look, okay, I'm not fluent in Huttese, so I may have got it wrong, but basically Boba the Hutt was saying that he uh, didn't want to get rid of his favorite decoration. And in that instant, in his dream, Boba knew that Jabba the Hutt was alive and after him. So Boba the Hutt ran and hid behind an outcropping of Durasteel, and then he saw his reflection. His Mandalorian armor was plastic, and it was white and green and purple, and his face looked so dumb. And then he heard Jabba coming, and he tried to shoot his Kelveric Consolidated Arms MM9 wrist rockets at him, but all that happened was a little light on his wrist blinked and made a pew-pew-pew-pew-pew-pew noise. Boba knew he had to use his smarts to to get away from Jabba. And so he lured Jabba to a door. And after kicking the door control with his tiny plastic legs several times, the door dropped and severed Jabba the Hutt in half. Bib Fortuna rushed over to make sure Jabba was dead and tripped over Boba Fett's tiny toy-like body. And his life was dispatched as well. Then after much effort, Boba the Fett climbed up into Jabba's throne and fell asleep. When he woke up, he knew that he had broken his creepy dream cycle. He stretched and went to the refresher to wash his face and teeth. And as he looked in the mirror, he saw that he was not tiny, but his armor was white and green and purple plastic, and his face was so dumb looking. He smacked himself to wake up, but alas, it did no good. He was awake, and this was his worst nightmare ever. He tried to scream, but all that emanated from his mouth was, To infinity and beyond! The end. 
Wow. Uh, okay. Well, I can, I can, I can confidently say that our, our mashups are very different, but we'll get to mine after we take this quick break. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O.com. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at KNIX.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Okay, Ariel, it's time for my mashup. Mine is called To Tatooine and Beyond. Boba Fett has a problem. See, he's enlisted in the Space Rangers, a new elite force of soldiers in Star Command, And though Boba Fett is a skilled pilot, a warrior, and a tracker, there's this one jerk face who always seems to beat him in every subject. His name? Buzz Lightyear. If Boba sets a new record for zapping target robots, Buzz comes along and does it even faster. If Boba pilots a starship through an asteroid field without getting so much as a scratch on the paint, Buzz will fly through the tail of a comet and bring everyone cosmic snow cones afterward. When Boba reported to Star Commander Zeb Nebula that warp dark matter seemed a bit sus, he found out Buzz had already filed a report an hour earlier. In short, Boba can't seem to ever come out on top. This eats away at Boba, who is incredibly competitive. Buzz, for his part, appears to be a you know completely dedicated to Star Command at a level that's, you know, kind of scary. Buzz is just... 100% committed to Star Command's mission and refuses to give anything other than 110% effort, which Boba has figured out is mathematically impossible. One day, when trying to flirt with Mira Nova and failing miserably, Boba Fett sees Lightyear looking at an old trophy case in Star Command's training facility. 
Creeping up behind him, he sees Buzz admiring a trophy won by Zeb Nebula for navigating through the most dangerous sector in the galaxy, the Kessel Run. Gosh, says Lightyear, imagine doing that run in just 13 parsecs. Ha, says Boba, I could do it in less than 12. <laughs> Lightyear, amazed at such a claim, says to Boba, I really don't think that's possible. Boba, excited that he's found a small point to pick at with Buzz, says, I bet it is. And Buzz's eyes narrow. Well, if that's the case, then I propose a friendly competition. Let's see who can make the Kessel Run with the fewest parsecs. If you're up to it, Bubba Fett. That's Boba Fett, says Boba Fett, holding back a sob. And I will do the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. You'll see. The two arrange to have the competition that following Saturday, which is, you know, the Star Command Cadet's day off. And they are both going to try and make for a Kessel Run with 12 parsecs or less, a.k.a. the K-12, as they call it. We see Boba go through a training montage to some New Wave 80s music. He tries practicing his maneuvers and, and he wipes out a few times, but he always escapes certain doom and he goes back to the drawing board and gets a little better for the next time. Uh, he talks with Mira Nova about it and she says, look, it's simple. Just go that way really fast. If something gets in your way, turn. Boba Fett takes that to heart and soon the day comes for the competition. Hope you got your thrusters boosted, says Buzz, somewhat mockingly. What do you call your ship again? And and Boba Fett's eyes go all shifty, but, you know, they're under a helmet, so, so you don't really see it, but it's there. And he says, uh, I'd rather not say the name of my ship, because it turns out the name of my ship isn't really as cool as I used to think it was. Tell you what, says Lightyear, I'll give your ship a new name. I'm calling it Space Iron. Because, you know, it kind of looks like an iron. Like, like the thing you iron clothes with. So that sound good to you? And then a bunch of cadets laugh at Buzz's funny joke and Boba gets mad. The two pilots go bring their ships as close to the edge of the Kessel Run as they can. And just before they go, Lightyear surreptitiously hits a little button that causes a laser gun on his ship to blast the left thruster of Boba's ship. Whoopsie, says Lightyear. Hey, you can't do that, says Boba, but then the starter pistol goes off. However, it takes a moment for both Buzz and Boba to notice because there's no sound in outer space, but the race is on. Meanwhile, from a safe viewing distance, Miranova looks through space binoculars. Boba's flying on one thruster, and the cadets all go ooh and ah. And we see this amazing spaceship race with Boba pulling out all the stops while Buzz is trying to beat him. But despite Buzz's maneuvers, Boba is able to use every trick in the book to get boosts of speed, propelling him into first place at 14 parsecs to Buzz's 15. Back at Star Command, Buzz comes up to Boba. You know, I still don't like you, but gosh darn it, I respect you. And the two shake hands and say, and you did an amazing job. You almost tied Zeb's top run. Yeah, it wasn't quite what I wanted, but I'm proud of my run, says Boba Fett. Hey, maybe next time you'll get that run under 12 parsecs. You know, as long as both your thrusters work, says Buzz. And then Boba Fett and Buzz Lightyear laugh. And then Boba decks Buzz for being a jerk face. Credits. In a post credit scene... <laughs> We see an abandoned throne room, and it's Emperor Zerg's, but Zerg has been gone for years, and into the room we see a shadowy figure enter, making its way to the throne. As it takes its seat, we see it's Boba Fett. Coming soon, Emperor Fett and Planet Z. The end. I love it. 10 out of 10 would watch that mashup. And while it's never a competition, I think if we brought our two pitches to Disney, they would pick yours for definite. Well, they might say that I might have plagiarized a little too heavily for a certain 80s ski movie that came yeah. out <laughs> with John Cusack in it. Nobody remembers <laughs> 80s ski movies with John Cusack anymore. I mean, there was a whole South Park episode that was a parody of that particular <laughs> 80s ski movie. But yeah, OK. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, no we by the way, we watched that over Halloween weekend too, that movie, which by in case you aren't scary. familiar. 
It's 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 called Better Off Dead. It stars John Cusack. The movie still holds up. Um, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, I I liberally stole from it for the purposes of this mashup. Uh, I it but it worked. It worked well. Uh, and uh, to all of our listeners out there, if you've got an idea that isn't plagiarizing a. 80s ski movie or absolutely horrific on how Boba Fett and Buzz Lightyear would mash up, you should write us and tell us. How can they do that, Jonathan? You can send us an email. The email address for our show is lnc at iheartmedia.com or you can drop us a line on the social medias. Over on Twitter, we are lnc underscore podcast and on Facebook and Instagram, we're Large Nerdron Collider. Yes, we want to hear from you. We love chatting with you and hearing about all your geeky stuff. We still need to see your cool Halloween costumes, so please send them to us. Um, and make sure to tell your friends about us and like and subscribe and leave reviews and all that happy, fuzzy, nummy good stuff. Um, that's how more geeks find us, and we can have bigger, better, funner conversations. Because we love y'all. Indeed. And until next time, I am Jonathan Fortuna Strickland. And I am Ariel... Uh, my backpack casting. The Large Nerdron Collider is a production of iHeartRadio and was created by Ariel Kasten. Jonathan Strickland is the executive producer. The show is produced, edited, and published by Tari Harrison. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.